Let's turn our Bibles this morning to the book of Genesis. That's easy enough to find, isn't it? Genesis chapter 40. We're going to read the whole chapter. It's not a long chapter, but it uh, describes a long period in Joseph's life when it seemed all was forgotten. Everybody had forgotten about him, and uh, things had gone from bad to worse. And this morning we're thinking of God's promise never to abandon us. So it's Genesis chapter 40, and we'll be reading from the first verse. Genesis chapter 40 and verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers. And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard into the prison the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued a season in the ward. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked them, and he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look you so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph, and he said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, And in the vine there were three branches, and it was as though it budded. And her blossoms shot forth, and the clusters that have brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh... Lift up thine head and restore thee to thy place. And thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when there was his butler. But think on me when it should be well with thee. And show kindness, I pray thee, unto me. And make mention of me unto Pharaoh and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon." And when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and behold, I had three white baskets on my head. On the uttermost basket, there was all manner of baked meats for Pharaoh, and the birds did eat them out, out of the baskets upon mine head. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation of the three baskets of three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head from off thee and hang thee on a tree and the bird shall eat thy flesh from off thee. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants and he restored the chief butler unto his butlership again and he gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand but he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet 
did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him? Have you ever felt like you've been forgotten? Have you ever felt like it's taken a long time for God to answer your prayer? We're thinking of God's promise never to abandon us. If there's a text this morning, it wouldn't be found in Genesis 40. It would be found in Hebrews 13 verse 5. Well, the New King James renders it like this. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I like that rendering of it because it inserts the word himself. It's not an angel. It's not a man's opinion. It's not even a prophet. But it's God himself. He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So often, when negative things happen to us in life, we can think, how is God going to turn this around for our good? We know what Romans 8.28 teaches, that God is able, and He not only is able, but He will work all things. For those that love Him, He is able to work all things for the good. You say, I'm in pain this morning, I'm in difficulty, I'm in sorrow. People are misunderstanding me. How can God work this for good? Joseph, very much his his faith was on trial, wasn't it? As the Apostle Peter said, the trial of your faith. And it's a very difficult thing when we go through trials and we go through tests. Especially when we're trying to do the right thing. Joseph had always sought to do the right thing. He is a picture of the type of the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't he? And he had being given dreams by God when he was young, 17 years of age. As far as we know, at that point in his family, he was the only one of Jacob's sons that was showing any spiritual understanding, any spiritual desire. In fact, his brothers, the Bible says, were living an evil life because Joseph brought the evil report to their father and they hated him even more. But when God began to give him visions and dreams, particularly dreams concerning the future, and he shared it with his family, they hated him even more, his brothers. And his father, who himself, when he was a young man running away from home, running away from his angry brother Esau, God had given him a a dream of a ladder going to heaven. So you would think that his father could recognize that The Spirit of God was willing to stir his young son. After all, they were the only family on earth at that time that God had made a promise to. That God had made a covenant with. Not multiple families, but they were the only family. This morning, there are many families here, aren't there? And God's family is all around the world. Thank God for that today. But they were the only family on earth. And you know, God's gifting and God's calling upon Joseph's life caused Him to be ill-treated by his own brothers. There are two garments in Joseph's life that speak of betrayal. The first garment was the garment that his father gave him in his love, his coat of many colors. Even the world have heard of Joseph and his coat of many colors, haven't they? And they dipped that in the blood of goats, or a goat, and they brought it to his father after they sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites and said, we found this coat. Do you know whose it is? knowing full well whose it was. And they deceived their own father. And the father lived in agony and mourning all those years. He felt that God had abandoned him. He felt that God 
How is God going to work this out? And Joseph no doubt felt abandoned. Betrayed by his brothers. And for years he languished in Egypt. First of all in Potiphar's house. And then the second garment that speaks of his betrayal. Was the garment he left behind in Potiphar's house. When after persistently his Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. And he eventually ran out of that situation. In his workplace. And then she conceived this, this, these lies. And Potiphar ends up in. Sorry Joseph ends up in prison. Now your circumstances this morning and my circumstances are not as bad as that, are they? That we've been sold and we've been betrayed and we've been rejected. So if God could be with Joseph, surely this morning he's with us. They stole his freedom. They stole his trust. They stole his hope. But the one thing that the enemy could not take from Joseph And the one thing the enemy cannot take from you and I, if we don't let him, that is, is the blessing of God. Is the blessing of God. We read in the previous chapter in Genesis 39, verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. He was in prison. He lost his his wonderful job. Even though he was a slave, he was the highest in the house. His master, a wealthy man, didn't look at anything that was his, he just trusted Joseph with it all. He lost everything. He lost the overseer's garment, if you like. But he didn't lose the blessing. You see, we've sang this morning, be bold, be strong. There's a chorus actually we sing to one another. Come on, walk in faith and victory, for the Lord your God is with you. Did you know there's a second verse to that chorus? Did you know there's a second verse to that chorus? You don't know there's a second verse to that chorus? You'll have to look at the second verse. Come to Pandy Lane, I'll teach you the second verse. I'm going to run through the camp. Tell everyone to get ready. To get ready. I'm going to run through the camp. Tell everyone to get ready. To get ready. Are you ready to make a stand? Are you ready to take the land? Are you ready to take a stand for the Lord? And then go back to the first verse then. Be bold. Be strong. For the Lord thy God is with thee. Joseph was making a stand. But because of the stand that he took, He was suffering and he was being ill-treated and he was being rejected. And now he's languishing in prison and there seems to be no way out. But immediately, the prison warder, the one who's in charge of the prison, recognizes the blessing of God upon Joseph's life and appoints him over all the prisoners. You see, in life and in ministry, you don't need to force your way. Because God will make a way. If you have a ministry from God, you don't need to try and convince people you've got a ministry. Because God will make a way. God will open the right door at the right time. And so Joseph's there in prison. He's got responsibility of all the prisoners. And then come in two special prisoners from Pharaoh's court. The chief butler and the chief baker. And he looks after them. And you know, Joseph, he's a type of Christ. And he comes in the one morning and he sees that they're discouraged. He sees that they're down. He sees that they're sad. And he ministers to them and he speaks to them. He says, what's the problem? He said, they said, we both had dreams last night. He said, you tell me the dreams. And so he begins to share the dreams that they had. First of all, the butler. He said, I had this dream. And he begins to interpret this dream for him. Oh, three days 
time. You're going to be out of this place. You're going to be restored to your position. You're going to become the tester for the king again. You can become his butler. And when the baker listens to this, he thinks this is really good. But he doesn't get a positive interpretation, does he? He gets a negative. And you know, those two are a picture of the gospel going forth. To one, it's the savior of life unto life. To another, the savior of death unto death. You see, the gospel is a wonderful message. It means good news. And all those that will receive it, and all those that will stand upon it, they will enter eternal life. But those that reject it in their hearts will be turned away. And in three days' time, the chief baker, he was hanging from a tree. And you know, the Bible is like that, isn't it? The promises of God this morning are for God's people. If you don't know the Lord this morning, I can't promise you heaven. I'm sure you've been to many funeral services. And men of the cloth stand up the front. And they make all kinds of wonderful eulogies. And make all kinds of false promises to those who have never followed the Lord. I'm sure you've been to funeral services like that. Now it's a very difficult thing when you're taking a funeral service for an unbeliever. I've done it many times as you can imagine. And you've got to be very sensitive. But you can never promise somebody that they're in heaven when they've never, as you know, trusted Christ. You don't know in the Lord's, those last moments what they've done. So what you can say is this. In times like this, this is the promise we can have. If you'll just come to Christ. If you'll acknowledge what he's done for you and you can share the gospel. But the chief baker, he wasn't going to be restored. He was going to leave this earth. But the chief butler, he was restored back to his position. And Joseph had said to him, verse 14, You think on me when it will be well with you. And show me kindness. Make mention of me unto Pharaoh. And bring me out of this house. Now Joseph, his heart was lifted up. Now, in three days' time, perhaps this chief, well, he really felt, I'm helping this man. He'll help me. And perhaps for a moment, Joseph put his trust His hope in this man that he'll speak a word for me and he'll open this prison door for me. But in three days' time, he was brought out of prison. He was put back into his job. And you know, it was a day of celebration. Not just for him, for his freedom. But because it was Pharaoh's birthday, verse 29 tells us that he made a feast for all of his servants. He's now entering into this wonderful feast. And he's, he's preparing the cup for the king. And no doubt he wanted quite a few cups that day. And in all the celebration, we read in the word of God, in verse 23, the end of the verse, yet did not the chief but the remember Joseph, but he forgot him. He forgot him. Perhaps Joseph felt in three days' time, I'm going to be out of this place. And for a moment he put his faith and his trust in this man that could speak a word for him and get him out. I want you to think for a moment, if that man had done that, if the chief butler had done what Joseph had asked him to do, and Pharaoh looked into it, what would Joseph have done if Pharaoh had opened the prison door for him? I'll tell you what he would have done. He'd have gone back home, wouldn't he? He'd have headed back on the first camel train back home and shocked his brothers and comforted his father. That's what he would have done. And there would have been that been God's will for him. You see, when everything went bad for Joseph, 
He was betrayed, as I've described, by his own brothers. And then betrayed by Potiphar's wife. Two betrayals in his life. It would seem that God's promises and God's dreams to him as a young man were so far, far from being fulfilled. But actually, geographically, they were nearer to being fulfilled than in any other time in his life. And though he didn't recognize it until later, and he could share with his brothers, because there's not a grain of revenge in him. Not an ounce of revenge in him. Remember what he said to his brothers, don't fall out on the way. You meant this for evil. But God, the God who would yet write through the Apostle Paul's hand that will work all things for good, God meant it for good. God will not allow His children back in Canaan to starve to death. Because if that happens, God's promise to the forefather Abraham would fail. But I want to tell you this morning, God is not about to fail concerning His promises. There's a little bit chorus. That's the kind of God that I serve. He's there when you need Him. You can stand upon His Word. That's the kind of God that I serve. We might not understand the dungeon. That's where He was. It wasn't very pleasant. Verse 15 says, I've done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. The psalmist says they hurt His feet with chains. Imagine. God, what are you doing? God, have you forgotten all about me? God, what about those dreams? He'd remember those dreams when his brothers came bound before what they thought was an Egyptian prince. But God was watching over Joseph. But God not only watches over his people. God watches over his word. And that's what God told another young man, Jeremiah. When God called him as a young teenager and God said, I put my words in your mouth. And you know, the word of God is a very powerful thing. Isn't it? If you try to replace the Word of God with anything else, you'll soon discover that man's opinion, man's view, man's words, they don't, they don't have the same lasting impact. Because they can't, because it's the Word of man. But when God called Jeremiah, He said this to him, See, I have put my word in your mouth. This is Jeremiah 1 verse 9. Verse 10, See, this day I have set thee over nations and over kingdoms, And this is the effect of God's word. To root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down four negatives and two positives. And to build and plant. You see, you don't want to build on a rubbish tip this morning, do you? You don't want to build on a cess tank. You don't want to build in a smelly place. There's preparation before you build. Jesus doesn't just build on our lives. He does some cleaning up first. The book of Revelation tells us that. Unto him that loved us, we'll remember it now in the Lord's table, unto him that loved us and washed us in his precious blood. He didn't wash us first and then love us. You're like a newborn baby comes out. Were you there at the birth? They wash and all the rest of it. But no, he loved us in our filth, in our condition. And then 
He cleansed us. And then he did something with our lives. God said to Jeremiah, the word of God and the nation will root out, pull down, destroy and throw down everything that is displeasing to me. And also the word of God will build and will plant. Thank God for that this morning. God loves you too much to leave us in our sin. He leaves us too much. He loves us too much to leave us in our indifference and our apathy. What when things go wrong? What when the promises of God seem to be taking so long to be fulfilled? Do God's promises only work when everything's going well? When everything's so positive? Do God's promises only work then? I mean, so often in the work of God, in our own personal lives, we face setbacks after setbacks. We always loved, and it's a lovely theme you've got for the Sunday mornings, the promises of God. But you know, let me tell you what you already know this morning. God's word, including his promises, are always tested in our lives. If God has given you a promise, you know that you will have to go through some testing concerning that promise. I, I read yesterday in a daily reading that they made this experiment of these huge trees in this complex, a glass complex, where the trees existed and they grow much faster because of the heat and the, you know, the water and all the rest of it than usual trees. But all of a sudden, they would snap and die. And the test discovered that those trees, in order to be strong, not only need sunlight and water, but those trees need the wind. And so, in the blowing of the wind, those trees would become stronger and the roots would become deeper. Now, we we today we we want a Christianity that there's no wind, there's no trouble, there's no hassle. Everybody agrees with us. Everybody likes us. Everything's with the flavor of the month. Now, thank God, the world will be attracted to the Savior through our lives, but not always. But if you do what God calls you to do, Jesus promised this: that they will see your good works and glorify your Father. Which is in heaven. You see, for example, when our brother shares what is happening in Romania since 1989, 1990, to the world, he's got their ear. Begins to share. They say, well, why'd you do this? Because God has called us to do this. Has it been easy? Oh, no. Have there been times when you had no money? Didn't have the right people? When the border guards wanted something, when you had to queue for out, was it easy? No. As you know, God has called us to build a leprosy center, a leprosy treatment center, residential center in the south of India. You know about that, don't you? We've shared about that. God has laid that on our hearts back in May 2015, I think it was. The years roll by, don't they? Let me read it. I've got it in my Bible. 2014. There you go. I have surely seen the affliction of my people. 
which are in Egypt. I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. I know their sorrows and I come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians to bring them up out of that land into a good land and a large. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. Are the authorities favorable? No, they're not favorable. When we were there 13 months ago and we were with the lepers on the land that we're purchasing, with 15 of the lepers from the colony that we went in when the boys were very young, back in 2011, they locked the gates to stop more coming out. It's not easy. Is it easy to believe God for thousands and thousands of pounds? It's not easy. And then on Friday I heard news because we should have paid the land off by last March that in payment is being enforced. It's got to be paid. We've got to pay a big lump next week, a big lump February, a big lump March. And we've got to believe God. Now, it's not can God provide? And the question isn't Will God provide? That's not the question. Can God provide? You know the answer to that. Will God provide? You know the answer to that. Because we know what his word says. My God shall supply. So we know the promises. That's not the question this morning. Will God or can God? When you're going through a test, whatever your test is this morning, I'm just sharing my test with you, but whatever your test might be this morning, it's not can God or will God. The question is, Will I trust? Can I trust? Can you trust God this morning? Can you trust Him? And will you trust Him? We had a lovely meeting in Pandy Lane last Sunday night. The Lord's laid on my heart to preach on healing. I don't know how long it's going to last on the Sunday nights. But before I got to preach, I said, we're going to have testimony. I always open up for testimony on Sunday evening. And I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have testimonies tonight. And um, I only want testimonies about healing. So if the Lord has ever healed you, or you know a, a testimony about healing, come and share it. And you know, it was like one after another, we're coming up to share. Some were older testimonies. Some were more recent testimonies. And then we preached the word. We preached the word. Um, the title of my message, you can listen to it on the internet if you want, at pandylane.co.uk. The title of the message, very theological title. Perhaps I could preach it here sometime. Are you fed up of being ill? I'm sure there's somebody here this morning who's fed up of being ill. And you know, the Lord moved last Sunday night. And you know, I, we, we, we prayed, they prayed. God moved. And you know, God can heal. God can heal. There was a lady, she couldn't stop walking after the meeting because the Lord had touched her. You know, she was all... But afterwards, she was up and down the lane. She'd been running for the bus this last week. It's not, can God heal or will He heal? It's, can I trust? Can we stand on the promises of God this morning? You see, God has promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. He himself has said, I'll never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Joseph, back to Joseph, he's in prison. Imagine the discouragement. Imagine the questions. I'm still here. 
We said to these lepers, Pastor John said to them, 30 minutes ago we gathered them on the land, just a handful of them. How many of you would like to come to a new place that we build here? You know, I mean, you know, they're starving, aren't they? They're living in horrendous conditions. I mean, how many? You know, they all wanted to come. But they're still where they are. We have to believe God. We have to stand upon His Word. You might be in the same condition, facing the same difficulties, and the same trials as you were years ago. And you say, God gave me this promise. But it's taken a long time to be fulfilled. Can God fail? Can God fail? There's only two things God cannot do. Lie and fail. The Apostle Paul says, when we are faithless, he said to Timothy, he remains faithful. You remain faithful to him because he is faithful. But even when you mess up, even when we fail, God's promises will not fail. People will fail. Now think of him, he's putting his trust for a moment in the chief butler. Did it work? Did it work? Well, of course it didn't work. Thank God the Lord would use the chief butler. Two years later, he remember when Pharaoh had his dream. God would bring to the remembrance of the chief butler. Remember that man in prison? He's got the gift of interpretation. And he would speak to Pharaoh then. But it wouldn't be according to Joseph's time scale. Have you noticed that God doesn't work according to our time scale? I've just told you that. We should have paid up last March. You should have been well by now. You should have got through on the, that prayer by now. That loved one should have been restored back to the Lord by now. We feel. But God's time scale. We can stand on his word. I lifted mine eyes to the hills, said the psalmist. Psalm 121. From whence cometh my help? Is it going to come from the chief butler? Is it going to come from the bank manager? Is it going to come from that millionaire? You know, when we came back from India 13 months ago, I had a, I had a message immediately for me by the person that picked us up, another pastor. He said, ring this man tonight, another pastor, because there's a millionaire in America that has been invested in Cuba for many years in the Lord's work, and he wants to invest in India. And my friend, who was ill, very ill in hospital with leukemia, has been visited by this man who knows this millionaire. He's ringing tonight. He's very interested in the lepers project. I rang him, I described all about it, and he was meeting this, speaking of this millionaire and his wife the following day. This is exciting, isn't it? Just come back. We need half a million. Perhaps, you know, he'll put some in. But he didn't. He didn't. I lift up mine eyes to the hills, from whence cometh my help. You see, God doesn't want us to trust man. If you look to man, you'll think, well, what can he give me? How can he help me? But the Bible says, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. But Joseph, you're still in prison. What are you doing, Lord? He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. Now, he was keeping the prisoners. 
But I want to tell you this morning, God was keeping him. God was keeping him. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth, I mean, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. If God can keep a whole nation, and God can keep the nation of Israel today, surrounded by enemies, he's done that before your very eyes in your lifetime. This should have been obliterated by now, but God's on the throne. He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Now, you can make it personal. The psalmist said, the Lord is your keeper. What does that mean? The Lord is your shade upon your right hand. The sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. There are some that think, oh, I'm going to be lost for eternity. No, if you belong to the Lord, He shall preserve your soul. Is there a limit to this preservation? No, I want to tell you this morning, there's a preservation order on your life. The Lord shall preserve you going out and you're coming in from this time forth. How long will this last? How long will the promise of God last? From this time forth and even forevermore. Forevermore. And so Joseph, they couldn't steal the blessing of God from him. They could take everything else, but they couldn't take the blessing. Don't let the devil take the blessing. And now, not only could they not take the blessing, but they couldn't keep, take the keeping power of God from him. God was keeping him in that prison. God was preparing him for greatness. But he wouldn't be an arrogant, cruel, brash, dictatorial leader. You agree with me or off with your head? No. He'd been through some things. You can tell when people have been through things, can't you? The way they are towards you, the way, the way they are in the work of God. If they've been through something, they're a little bit more sympathetic. They're a little bit more understanding. They're a little bit more patient. They're a little bit more encouraging. And the day would come when they'd say to Joseph, change your clothes. Have a shave. You're standing before the king. You're standing before the king who would lift him out of that prison. I want to tell you this morning, we are standing before a king. A much greater king. A much greater king. And he is able to lift you from that dungeon of discouragement or depression or illness or confusion or anxiety, whatever it might be this morning. He's able to lift you from that dark place and bring you into the palace. For the rest of his days, Joseph would not be living on the rations of that dungeon. But he would be feasting in the king's palace. So what we want to do for the lepers. They go behind restaurants at night, those that are able, and get all the leftovers and then put it all in a bag and bring it back and share it among them. That's what they do for the five days that AWM aren't going in there. But we want to bring them into a big house where they can be feasting. That's what the Lord has done for you. When it's well with you, think of me, Joseph said. I want to tell you this morning, it's going well with us. Let's think of them. Let's think of them down the street this morning. Let's think of these loved ones in your place of work this week. Let's think of them. He'll be brought out into a place 
of responsibility, yes, but a place of feasting. And we're about to gather around the Lord's table. And what does it tell us this morning? It tells us this. He has brought me. Starving, dying sinners. He's brought me into his banqueting house. And look at the banner over us. It's not condemnation. It's not works. It's not you do this and you believe enough and then I'll love you. His banner over us this morning is love. He accepts you. Just as you are. Just as you are. And you can come this morning. And if you don't know the Lord in this service this morning, I want to remind you that God has made a promise never to abandon us, never to leave us. And if you want to enter into that promise this morning, you want the Lord with you in your life, all you need to do is trust Him. Turn away from your way of living, which is agreed to the heart of God. And ultimately will hurt yourself. Because the Bible says the wage of sin is death. The way that seems right unto man leads to death. And come to Christ. And he'll give you what you can never dream of. Eternal life. And a life of purpose on this earth. Until he calls you into that eternal life. In heaven itself. God has promised never to leave us. Nor forsake us. This morning. Are you going to trust him? It's not. Is God trustworthy? It's not that. It's not that this morning. We've said it's not that. It's not will God fulfill his word. It's will we trust. You see, when things go bad, when we are tested, when those winds are blowing over our lives, the devil comes along to tempt you. You can hear it in Job's wife. Curse God and die. If God loves you, why is he allowing you to go through this? You can turn around to the devil this morning and say, God's allowing these winds because he wants to make you stronger. The roots are going deeper. I'm standing on his word. I'm standing on his word. That's the kind of God that we serve. I heard a testimony the other week of a brother who was telling about his wife. He's now with the Lord. He went to be with the Lord last year in the States. Southern Gospel writer. Lovely songs he wrote. His wife, Priscilla, became ill. McGruger. Priscilla McGruger. She went in, he went into the prayer room one day in the house. And she, her Bible was on the floor and she was standing on the Bible. He thought, she's finally lost it. She'd been so ill. Stage four breast cancer. He, he tried to speak to his wife. What can I do for you? How can I help you? She said, I, I'm too weak even to speak. I'm just standing on the word. I'm standing on the word. God healed her. God healed her. Because God's promises are true. I don't know what you're facing this morning. But let's trust him. Let's trust him together. Let's just bow for a word of prayer before we come to the Lord's table. Whatever is on your heart this morning, whether it's concerning yourself, your loved ones, the work of God here or further afield, let's bring it to Him. Let's tell Him what He already knows. You don't need to inform Him this morning. Just tell Him, Lord, in this dungeon, in this storm, the winds are blowing. I trust 
you. I trust you. Heavenly Father, this morning we have heard your word. We have reflected again on the tests that you allowed your servant Joseph to go through. And Lord, we thank you that through all of those tests, you were with him. And not only were you with him, but you blessed him. And not only did you bless him, but you granted him favor. Lord, with others. And this morning, you know what your people are facing. Lord, there are tests at home. There are tests abroad. But this morning, we want to tell you that we trust you. We trust you. We thank you this morning that you are our helper. You are our shield. You are our preserver. You are the one that will bring us through to the other side. Not empty-handed, but with a testimony. Lord, we are going to return like those 70 with joy, with a testimony. Look what the Lord has done. And Lord, as your word has gone forth again into our lives, into our hearts this morning. Lord, may tonight we come with the testimony that we'll be able to share with our brother and sister in Christ. Look what the Lord has done. And Lord, we thank you that your word is so powerful. It will work within us. It will produce fruit. And so, Lord, we pray. Keep that word central this week in our hearts and minds. Keep that word central in this fellowship. Keep that word central, Lord, in all of our, all of our interaction, Lord, with people this week. Lord, that we will trust you to bring us through. And Lord, that you will guide and lead us. And so, Lord, we pray now as we gather around this table, make Calvary real to us afresh. Lord, as we reflect upon your love for us, we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.